Ever wonder what motivates people to get plastic surgery? Did they regret it? What can we learn from the weird and wild stuff that happens at our plastic surgery clinic? We're going to tell some stories, get some laughs, and learn on... Clinic Talk with Sabrina Sajan. On the Plastic Surgeon Podcast. Hi friends, I'm Dr. Javad Sajan, and of course I'm here with my lovely wife and CEO of Allure Aesthetic, Sabrina Sajan. Welcome back and thanks for listening. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to support the channel. On Clinic Talk, we tell real stories of fun, strange, hopeful, and educational things that happen at our clinics from day to day. We get a lot of weird and hilarious happenings in the clinic. You can find the clinic at AlluraAesthetic.com for more information. So Janu... What clinic stories are we going to talk about today? So, John, I was talking to the team and they said you had a runaway patient. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes. And it was with our new aesthetic physician, Dr. Amstader, right? What happened? Yeah. So, um, we were at our Kirkland location and um, there was a patient. There was an existing patient. She, you know, comes often for Botox and Dysport. And, you know, she's used to just being in and out, you know, usually takes 10, 15 minutes, you know, to do her treatment usually. Um, So that's what she was expecting. But this time she was coming for filler. So she wanted lip filler and she wanted Botox. Mm. So we said, great. You know, so she got scheduled. Um, She came in and then unfortunately, the patient before her was late. Mm. So two patients arrived at the same time. She was early. The patient before her was late. The patient before her had her pet dog with her. Um, in was the that a service office. dog? No, it was not a service dog. Like we asked pet. her. Yeah, it was a pet. Do you, do you have a pet allowed sign at the office? No, she thought she could bring her pet for her injectable treatment. At a medical facility? Yes. Um, so yeah, we that, had, That's a typical Eastside patient. <laughs> so she brings a little furry little pet with her. Uh, we're like, hi, ma'am, we're sorry you're unable to have uh, your pet in the office with us um, because we have a few employees actually that are allergic to dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just don't want anyone to have a reaction or something bad to start. Mm-hmm. So we told her, unfortunately, we can't have the dog in here. So now there's a whole situation happening where the filler patient is in the lobby waiting because she's like, when are they going to take me back? I'm early. And then now she's late because she's running behind, couldn't find the building. And then now she has a dog. So we're like, okay, what should we do? So she's like, okay, I'll be right back. So then we're like, okay, what is she going to do with the dog? Because it's really hot. It was just like, I think 80 degrees or 90 degrees that day outside. Yeah, you can't leave it in the car. No. We love dogs. Um, And she she goes out for like five to six minutes and then she comes back, right? And we're like, okay, what does she do with the dog? We'll we'll see what happens. Where was the dog? And then we look outside and it's tied on the pole outside just hanging out. Oh my god! What if it got away? I don't know. What if a car went on and he they ran a dog oh, ran so away to those yellow poles in the parking lot? Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> she tied the dog's leash to the yellow pole in the parking lot and just came back for her injectable. That's wild. So um, our doctor then she was like, "Oh, I should just take her back first because the dog is like waiting outside mm-hmm. by himself." And she didn't want the dog to like run away or anything yeah, or, or get yeah. ran over. So even though she was late, we're like, okay, well, let's, let's get you in. Um, so Dr. 
took her into one room and then in the other room she took the filler patient i was like hey the patient before he was running behind like there's a situation because she has a pet with her but the pet's hanging out outside mm-hmm. so we're just gonna try to get her in before you and she's like okay fine so then she gets her room she wants lip filler so she's numbing in the room now mm-hmm. so she has like topical numbing on her lips um and in one room and she's sitting in there and the second room dr amsatter is gonna do the botox for the dog lady Mm -hmm. um and dr amsatter checks on the lip filler patient like hey it's gonna be a few more minutes um because then they dr amsatter usually does botox for her then she wanted to know what disport was Mm. dog lady um, so then Dr. Amsada explains to her, like, this is the difference between Dyspor, this is the difference between Botox. So Dyspor and Botox are both what are called neuromodulators, mm-hmm. or they're prescriptions that are injected into the skin, and they're based on botulinum toxin, and they temporarily relax the muscle. Mm-hmm. Now, they're different brands, but really same function. Mm-hmm. So the patient was thinking of switching. Yeah, so okay. she's always been a Botox user. She wanted to know what the difference was of Dysport because she thought that she could get more Dysport for the same price because of the conversion. Mm, so the way it works is, on average, one unit of Botox equals three units of Dysport. Mm-hmm. So that's the conversion you know, we believe in. Most people believe in that. So Dysport, you get more molecules, but the cost is relatively the same because it takes three And you get the same amount of product? Same amount. Of, you get more, same volume of product mm-hmm. based on reconstitution, mm-hmm. but you do get more little molecules. Okay. So yeah, she was a little confused because she's like, oh, so do I get more Dysport for the same price? And then Dr. Amster had to like explain to her the difference and what the pricing is and all of that. So this conversation started happening with the dog lady and then the filler lady is waiting, waiting, waiting. We go, see what time it is. It's been like 30 minutes now. So she's still waiting. Because Dr. Amstad was talking to the dog lady. Yes. about dog lady is not worried about her dog. No. Then Dr. Amstad was like, okay, if you really want, like, why don't you try to sport this time? Like maybe, you know, you'll like it. Like she explained the benefits, the differences and all that. Did she go out to check on her dog during any of this? I don't believe so. Mm. We were watching it from the window. (laughs) <laughs> just to make sure the dog was okay um but then so they get in this conversation about dysport and botox and she's almost about to get dysport then she feels like oh she asked dr Amsterdam, oh am i gonna break out if i get this like what kind of product it is mm-hmm. is it like makeup like if you switch the brands like you start you know your skin might not do so well and mm-hmm. so all these questions start happening and then the, the filler patient's getting like anxious and like worried like she like opens the door for a second, like looks outside trying to find Dr. Amstatter, doesn't find her. So, she so the filler patient left the exam room? No, first she just opens the door. So we hear the door open and then when she opens the door. She pokes her head out. Yeah, she ah. pokes her head out. And we're like, hey, Dr. Amstatter's still here. Don't worry. She's like, well, I just wanted to check. Like, yeah, I don't know why you shouldn't leave yet. <laughs> She's still here. Um, She's finishing with other patients. She'll be with you shortly. She's like, okay. And then she goes back and you can see she's getting red and nervous. We're like, oh my God, Dr. Amstatter, come on, let's go, let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, And the dog lady's like asking more questions. And then mm-hmm. she's like, oh, if I get disport, will I die? <sighs> and Dr. Amstatter's like, um, I don't think you'll die. Yeah. But she was like, well, I don't, if you don't feel comfortable, let's just do Botox this time. There's yes. no reason to switch. Like if you're happy with Botox, let's just do Botox. Yeah. Literally guys, it's the same thing, same product. I think Dysport works a little quicker, lasts a little longer. Some of the studies show that, you know, this nice dog person patient <laughs> is just freaking out for no reason. Yeah. So she thinks she's going to die if she gets Dysport. And I'm like, okay, no, scratch all that. 
Let's just do Botox. It sounds like a DNS patient. <laughs> she had a lot of questions. Um, so then they're like, okay, now she's like wanting disc sport, right? Okay, so Dr. Amsar goes, grabs a disc sport for her, you know, starts, um, you know, getting the vial, whatever. And then she goes back to her room. And then the meanwhile, we like see the, the filler patient hanging out in the, like the hallway running around looking for Dr. Amstatter with her mask be on her lower lip with uh -huh. her, her, um, uh, topical numbing all over her face smeared uh. with the vibrata in her right hand running around oh looking for Dr. Yam's daughter. That's too much. And we're like, oh my God. So the patient, she had numbing cream on for lip filler. Yeah. So she has like a white mustache of numbing cream <laughs> yeah. on the upper and lower lip. And then she's running around with the mask on her chin Yeah. and the vibration device to decrease pain. Yes. In her hand. And she's running around like right, left. She's looking right. She's looking left. She's looking for Dr. Amsad. Is she here? Is she here? She's like, and then she, I, we hear her because I was in the, near the front desk area. And then you hear, where's the doctor? Where's the doctor? I'm like, oh my God, the free patient's freaking out, guys. Yeah. So then I like, I like run to the to the back lobby and I'm like, hey, are you okay? And then she's like, no, where's the doctor? Where's the doctor? And she's like super anxious and mm. super worried. Like she was, was getting very like, um, hyper like she didn't know what to say like then i was like, okay let's come to the front desk like we'll help you then like she came to the front desk and she was explaining how she thought it was only going to be a 15 minute appointment because she's been here before and i was like yeah you've been last time you came you only got botox which is a much faster treatment you know lip filler treatments do take longer because we numb you want to mm -hmm. make sure of all of that and it is a, it's an hour long um appointment compared to a disparate botox which is a 20 minute appointment mm. so they're explaining that to her she's getting super anxious and worried and then then she thinks dr amsatter is not nice anymore because she left her in the room even though she checked on her like mm -hmm. over and over again um so then eventually we're like okay um maybe like you know i don't know if you're too nervous today i don't know if it's a good day for you to get this filler mm -hmm. and and then I was like, we're happy to like, you know, you know, not charge you anything. Like maybe, you know, you just need to go home for the day. Mm -hmm. um, but then she was like fairly upset because she already waited for 30 minutes. Mm. She was like, I just want to get my treatment. I'm already here. Just want to do this. Can you just do it right now? And I'm like, I was like, have a seat in the lobby. Then I'm going to go check and see if another cert a doctor can do it for you. Oh, yeah. That's when you came and got me. Yeah. That's when I came uh, and got you. Yes. Yes. So then I went back outside to her and I was like, hey, Dr. Sajan's available. Um, you know, I was like, I apologize. You know, you know, it was a miss, um, error in the schedule with the patient before you came late. So we're trying to get her in, but it ended up being a longer appointment than we, we planned. So I explained everything to her. Mm -hmm. And then um, even though like she had yelled at us right before that and screamed at us, mm -hmm. she apologized. And she was like, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to yell at you. You know, I was just getting very anxious and nervous and the time kept passing by. So then the patient was passed to you. Yeah. And I, I saw her. She was nice. I can understand why she was upset for waiting, but just, you know, very anxious. People can get anxious. Mm -hmm. I did the, the Botox treatment and I did the lip filler. Very, very smooth. I would say definitely more anxious, top, you know, 10% of anxiousness. Mm -hmm. uh, injection went great. Patient's very happy. The result was a wild success. Yeah, she was definitely very happy. She came to the front desk and she's like, oh, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you so much. We're like, no, sorry about the, you know, the weight and everything, but she was fine. And I would wish to take all the patients and treat them that, you know, some people, 
you know, if they don't schedule a few months ahead of time, it's a little bit hard to get on the schedule. Mm-hmm. So that becomes the challenge. And so that's why we have other great providers. Everybody who injects for us, I've trained from ground up. Mm-hmm. So they all do a great job. But certainly some people want to come to me and I love them all. I want them all. But there's only, you know, only so many hours that I can push. Like today yeah. is Saturday. We did a whole day of injections. Mm-hmm. You know, we're so blessed. We have such a high demand of people who want to see me. So what we did was we opened up some special Saturdays and I'm doing select patients mm-hmm. um, who can come in and we take care of them for seven hours. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. I love doing it. Um, we have great providers people can see and they can come see me. Yep. So, John, I had a very upsetting thing another doctor did. Oh, again? Yes. So a lot of people know I fix botched work. And whenever I get bad work or or other people's surgeries that I'm fixing, it's not necessarily bad. Patients change their mind. They have a change of heart. They want something different. Mm-hmm. I never talk bad about the provider whose work I'm changing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not even fixing. It's changing, right? Uh, things sag with time. People change their minds about implants. So I had a really amazing patient. I saw her for consult. So she had a breast augmentation done with a mini lift type thing from another doctor based in Bellevue. (laughs) And um, she had the surgery done about five, six years ago. And she thought they looked okay and she wasn't that happy with them. She was dealt with them. But she felt the implants were making her sick. Now, it's not common as she felt she had um, breast implant illness. She didn't know. Since she had the surgery, she felt tired. She felt fatigued. She felt her body was attacking itself. She had GI issues, sinus issues, all non-specific things. Now, breast implant illness is controversial. Some people believe in it. Some people don't. Mm-hmm. Now, I probably do more implants than most people in this part of the country. But I also do believe in a very rare population the implants don't sit well. Like mm-hmm. anything, right? A million people take the vaccine. I love the vaccine. Some of the people get a bad reaction. Doesn't mean you stop the vaccine. Of course. You try to figure out who reacts and treat them appropriately. So this lady felt the implants made her sick. So she went she went back to her original doctor and he dismissed her. He told her she you know he basically told her he was she was not sane, very not nice. Mm-hmm. So then she does more research and she comes to me. And I have a consult with her. I told her, look, you have you know, based you're you know, you're telling me you have breast implant illness. I want to let you know it's controversial. There's there's no test I can do for it. You have a constellation of symptoms that may get better if you take out the implant with the whole capsule and everything with it, called an end block surgery. And um, she thought about it, and I said, "Can we get your record so I can review what the other doctor did?" Because when I did my exam, she, she had a she didn't have a straightforward operation. She had an implant, and she had a mini lift, and she had some scarring was very thick. The areola was way too enlarged. I felt the lift was inadequate. I didn't tell the patient this. I didn't tell. I didn't say one bad thing. I said, "I understand you had surgery done. I'm happy to help you." But when I assessed the surgery, I would say it's not a good surgery. But I didn't say that. So, nevertheless, the um, the patient sends out, fills out a records release, mm-hmm. and we submit it uh, to the doctor's office to get the records. So then we never got the records. Mm-hmm. So then the patient decides calls us saying, hey, what's going on? Um, how come you guys never, uh, you guys you were going to call me after you got the records? We said, yeah, we never got them. No, nothing was sent to us. We thought maybe you changed your mind or something. Mm-hmm. So then she calls that office and she gets the records sent to us and she's having second thoughts about the surgery. So she comes back to see me. Before she was eager to book, right? Mm-hmm. But I said, I don't want you to book till I review your records. So then I reviewed the records, talked to her, but then she was like, oh, I'm having second thoughts. I'm like, okay, come in, let's talk about it. 
So she comes back and she, I'm like, what's going on? She's like, I want to tell you something. I'm like, what do you want to tell me? She said, the doctor who did my surgery from Bellevue, he emailed me and said, me, Javad Sajan, um, is basically not a good person and I shouldn't have you do my surgery. And that basically he told, this doctor told my patient that he felt basically breast implant illness was a hoax. It's not real. He's in many in block type surgeries and has a 0% success rate. And I, you know, with God's grace, have a 100% success rate on my end blocks, knock on this fake wood. Uh, no one's ever felt their symptoms didn't get better. Mm -hmm. So this doctor emails her saying, oh, he basically he's no good, he's a phony, doesn't work, blah, 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 blah. So, I'm, so I talked to the patient, I said, look, this is a controversial disease. I, I agree that there's no guarantee that this is going to work, but this is the options. If you want to do it, great. If not, all good. And she's like, well, you know, I thought about it and I want to sign up. And I'm like, oh, wow. And I, and she, I was like, why? She's like, one, I don't want the implants anymore. They don't fit my life. And number two, I think I'm getting sick because of them. Mm. And number three, uh, then I asked her, well, why didn't you go back to your original doctor after he emailed you? She said, well, he, this doctor sent me an email saying everything I just said. And I felt he was yelling at me. Mm. The original doctor was scolding me. She felt I felt he was scolding me over email because I didn't like the implants anymore. And he felt personally attached to the implants. And the doctor emailed her and called her to talk bad about me. Mm. And she thought that was so unprofessional. And she's like, if he's talking bad about you, there must be something good about you. So that's how <laughs> I'm going to book. Really nice lady. She's very kind, very sweet. You're a normal person like you and all of us. You know, I'm, I'm not going to give her a name or anything, but she works in the service industry. She's like a housekeeper. Very sweet person. And I thought it was just so unprofessional, unethical, and horrible of a provider yelling at a patient just because they changed their mind. I've done surgeries, you know, although I don't know anybody personally, or there might have been one actually, you know. Sometimes I've done surgeries and the patients, you know, rarely, very rare, maybe didn't decide to change their mind, didn't like it, and they went to somebody else because they wanted it changed. I never yelled at that patient or the doctor. Mm -mm. I released whatever records they wanted. If they had questions, I'm happy to answer them. Because sometimes it happens. Not every relationship is perfect, right? A doctor-patient relationship exists, so everybody's happy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes patients change their mind. Sometimes they want to do something different. Sometimes they're embarrassed to go back to the original provider, so they'll go somewhere else. You know, For me, it's not personal. I feel it's our job to serve the patient. Mm -hmm. If I'm the best one to do the right thing, I'm happy to help. If there's somebody else, do it. But talking badly just made that original Bellevue doctor look unprofessional. The patient came to me anyway. And it doesn't help the field. It hurts everybody. It makes everybody everybody look low and stupid. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, we're here to serve, and you got to remember that. Surgeries will come and go, but you have to live with the service you do for people, and that's what, really, that's what taking care of patients means to me. Mm -hmm. For sure. So talking about that, I had a really interesting... Um, one second. How many minutes have we had? 19. Okay. So on that note, I had a really interesting case I got from Mexico. So I had this amazing patient who came to me during COVID. Remember she called the office and mm -hmm. she wanted to book. So she mm -hmm. basically had an implant done and a lift in Mexico. And then she was, uh, she called uh, panicking, saying that my implant popped out during my mammogram. Mm. and I went to the hospital. They took it out. I have drains. I need someone to fix my chest. I don't have anything on my right side. So then she said so it was an emergency. So it was during the pandemic. So because she needed urgent help, we saw only emergency cases. I saw her. Mm -hmm. And she came in. I'm like, what's going on? Very nice lady. 
And she said, well, so I had a lift and an implant down in Mexico. I came to the U.S. and then my, uh, my right implant kept draining. And the doctor from Mexico kept sending me antibiotics and it kept draining and it stopped, it drained and it stopped and it drained at the incision point of the lift. It was draining specifically at the trifurcation where the T comes together when you do a breast lift because it's an anchor incision around the nipple down on the side. So she has this chronic drainage, goes up and down, and the doctor's like, oh, it'll be fine, keep taking these antibiotics, and he has her antibiotics for five months, mm. five months. So then she goes for a routine mammogram, and she has this intermittent drainage, and when they do the mammogram, they squeeze the breast really hard, and the implant halfway pops out. Oh my God, out of the incisions. Mm-hmm. Where she was having the drainage. Oh my so God. So then they immediately send her to the emergency room at Virginia Mason. The doctor takes out the right implant and puts a tube in. And then he, she said that doctor there didn't have a lot of expertise in implants and he recommended she follow up with someone to fix. That's why she ended up in my office. Mm. So she, what happened is because she had a chronic infection, the skin and muscle broke down. And when, they were, when she had pressure from the mammogram, it popped out. Mm. So then I saw her and I told her it was going to be a complicated course. Because what happened is because of the chronic infection and having everything removed and collapsed, the pocket and skin had shrunk. And when the doctor put her back together at Virginia Mason, he removed some of the skin that was very thin. So now there wasn't enough skin. So mm. I shared with her, I can help you do the surgery, but it's a long process. Basically to help fix her, what we what we had to do was we went we went in for surgery. We had to put in a temporary balloon in her right chest. Mm. So it was a multi stage operation. First, we had to put a balloon. After we expanded her, then the plan was to put an implant in and see what happens. So what did I do? So that so the first stage was it was called a tissue expander. We took her to surgery. We went in there. We put the balloon and we sealed it up. Sent her home. She lives three hours away. And then she came back every week. And I filled the balloon in clinic with her awake. Saline, so, right? Yeah, with saline. Mm. So the way the balloon works is it sits in the chest and it has a special magnet inside uh, that's inside the chest. You have a magnet finder that when she came to clinic every week, you take the magnet finder, you take it across the chest, and then there's a little pointer that points to where the port is where you fill. Mm. So I took the magnet finder, I found the filling port, and we slowly expanded because we had to grow new skin. She didn't have enough skin to put a new implant in. Mm. It took her many weeks, right? Yes. It, mm. it was. We did six weeks of expansion. And after the six weeks of every week, we put in a few hundred cc's. And after the six weeks of expansion, when the balloon was big, we let it sit for a few more weeks. And then we went in. After that- Do you do that so the body can get used to it too? Yes. The size and everything? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So you do it because you don't have enough skin. So by expanding, what happens is you grow more skin because it stretches. Mm. And you make the pocket bigger so you have room for an implant because she had uh, 1,100 cc implants. Oh, wow. Yeah, but they don't make those in America. So after we expanded and poor lady drove four hours, three, four hours each way, we once we got it to the size and we took her back for surgery and the plan was to, to put in 800 cc's remove the 1100s and we were going to go with the silicone gel implant so we did that on the on the non on the side that wasn't leaky it looked perfect and then the side that had the issue i went and took the balloon out and took out the capsule or the scar that she had and i put a brand new implant in and then when we put it in she healed well 
but one implant fell too low. Mm. A new implant because she had no support from the old resection. Mm -hmm. So now the final stage, we're going to take her back in about three months. We're going to have to use some mesh and we have to reconstruct the bottom half of the inside of the muscle. So there's something to hold the implant so we can make it more symmetric. Mm -hmm. What is a mesh? So a mesh, what I use is a dissolvable matrix. It uh, it looks like a... um, A a net. yeah, Almost like a right? net. Yeah, yeah, like a thin net, and you suture it to make a pocket where the implant can sit. Mm. So she's going to need that now to um, finalize and get her symmetric. She has two breasts; they're safe. Just one is a little bit too low because mm, she has no skin there, too. Exactly. So mm. you know, the, the the moral of the story is: there's nothing wrong with having surgery outside. The biggest challenge is follow up. Fifty mm-hmm. percent of surgery is healing. I believe. Wait. I remember her, I can't remember if she told one of our staff members or one of the clinic staff team, she was like, I really wish I wouldn't have gone to Mexico. Yeah. You know, I think she, she feels a little embarrassed too, to talk about it. Mm-hmm. With, you know, she's like, you know, I'm embarrassed to say that I went to Mexico to do this and now look where I have to do to I fix know, it. She probably spent five times mm-hmm. the money. Yep. Because she paid for Mexico and then the reconstructions have all been out of pocket. You know, I've, we've helped her. And actually, the last surgery I'm doing for free because I feel bad about the whole situation for her. So, um, but it's been a long journey to make her better. We're almost there. Yeah. Almost there. Um, she didn't want to be a part of the podcast series because she was embarrassed. That would, that would have been a u- unique story. Very yeah. sweet, kind person. You know, Very nor- nice. Normal person like us. One of the nicest people I've had the privilege of taking care of. So, so, you know, when you don't have good follow-up, even for local surgeries, it becomes a disaster. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, if she would have gone back to Mexico earlier, the cure would have been, that implant needed to come out. Mm-hmm. She needed to heal and put it back. And if you would have taken it out early, you wouldn't have needed to remove the skin and do all that extra work. And that's yeah. why poor lady ended up where she did. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Clinic Talk on the Plastic Surgeon Podcast. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to support the channel. Tune in next time for more Clinic Talk. We have more great stories coming your way. For my live surgeries on Snapchat and adventures throughout the week, catch us on all social media at Real Doctor Seattle. See you next time. Bye. Sam Wood.